Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Bless you this morning. Um, I know we've got an opening prayer, and um, I thought we'd just uh, launch into prayer, and then and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about um, the prayer this morning. I didn't write it down myself. We, we pray to be worthy, prepared, and made spiritually mature to walk in the fullness of our destiny in God. I really believe that's for the church today. That, um, and there's a scripture for you, 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 and 12. Therefore we pray always for you. That's faith point. That God would count you worthy of, prepared us for, His calling, fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness, plans for us, and the work of faith with power. That the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you, and you in Him, according to the grace of our Lord Uh, the grace of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, often I want to encourage you, get scriptures that mean something to you, write them down, pray them back to the Lord. Claim the promises of God. You know, the promises we have to pray for. When God gives you an oath, an unequivocal promise, then you know that's going to happen. But most times we have promises, but we have to remind God about the promise and we have to press in and pray and pray and be persistent in our prayer life so that we claim the blessing of God for what he has for you. So I do believe this morning that as you enter the year of 2019 um, that God has got something very special for you as a church, as a ministry, ministries, I say that because I really believe God has given the church here multiple streams of ministry that are going to come forth from the church and, uh, you know, the rising up of callings and destiny in, in Faith Point is something that you need to look into further and, and pursue those things that God has put upon you as a ministry house and as a church. Because I do believe that if we see it and we pray into it and we work with the Spirit of God, these things come to pass quickly. Amen. Yeah. So I believe there's a quickening taking place at Faith Point. You're going to be spread in many, many nations and places uh, and that God has got, you know, something very unique upon you. There's an abundance of what God has put upon you in blessing, in provision, in calling, and in people. Amen. Amen. So be ready for that. But, you know, as, as I prepared this morning, I, I had a, a word which I put on our website about the wind of the Spirit. But, and I thought I was going to share about that this morning, but while I was waiting on the Lord during the week, I woke up early the one morning. Sometimes I wake up. My wife thinks I'm half asleep most of the time. But I woke up this morning, and I felt the Lord say to me, These are the days of Elijah. Right. You know, and I pondered that. These are the days of Elijah, that God is raising up a people that are going to carry a spiritual inheritance that has been kind of, you know, accumulating over, you know, many decades in the church. And the name Elijah means the, the Lord is my God. Isn't that amazing? The Lord is my God. 
And he lived that lifestyle and he lived that way in his life that the Lord was seen to be his God. And that's my prayer for us that this year will be that type of year that we will see God manifest in your life and in the church in an amazing way. And when I read about Elijah, one of the interesting um, aspects of his ministry was he always prayed in faith believing that the thing was going to come to pass. He never doubted at any moment when he asked God. You know, he almost seemed presumptuous in his faith. But he would pray, like he he prayed for the abundance of rain. He said, go and tell Ahab that there's an abundance of rain coming. And then he went on to his knees and he started praying for that rain. And he sent his servant to go and have a look if there was a cloud seven times. Is there any cloud? No. Is there any cloud? No. Is there any cloud? No. By that time, the servant has thought, you know, we're missing it here. The fourth time, the fifth time, and the seventh time, there was a cloud the size of a man's hand. And, you know, it's interesting that the hand speaks about, you know, the provision of God, the, the fivefold ministry of God. The hand of God came upon him, and he outran Elijah, and he over, you know, outran um, Ahab when he was in the chariot. And, you know, there's something about having faith to believe. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you have, you know, a sense of dream, you've dreamt something, you, you, you've got a vision for 2019 on your heart, start praying that. You know, make it a, a fervent prayer that says in James 5, you know, the, the fervent prayer of a righteous man shall availeth much. Come on. You know, and then it says that, you know, Elijah was a man just like you and I. He had the same pressures and fears of life, but yet he prayed and God answered his prayer. I believe that's for us this in, in the seasons that we are in today. And God is doing some things for us. In Psalm 38, 15, it says, for I hope in you, O Lord, you will answer, O Lord my God. There's a beautiful psalm. I remind God about that when I pray. God, you said you would answer my prayer. So I keep praying in faith, believing that God will answer the, my prayer. So <clears throat> Elijah grew up in extraordinary times, and he suddenly appears on the scene. So I want to paint a, a sort of a word picture for you and then just say to you this morning, what is God challenging us as the people of God in these times if the Spirit of, of the Lord is coming upon us in a greater way? How should we prepare ourselves? What should we look like in the future? And what, what is God really saying to the church today about moving in a greater depth of the anointing of God, the call of God, the purpose to which God has called us as believers? What is God really saying to the church today? And how are we going to respond to God? Often we hear these things, but there's not a response from us in the way that we say, God, we're going to follow you. We, we're going to go after this thing because we believe this is God. And we, we've got to do away with double-mindedness because, you know, <clears throat> that's one of the things that Elijah, you know, challenged the people on Mount Carmel when the, the sacrifice was there. And he said, you know, You've been double-minded about who you're going to serve. And let me encourage you today, let's be 
absolutely sure about who we're serving and what we are called to do, our part in what God's saying to us. We're not double-minded about who we are and what God has called us to know. We are resolute in our pursuit of God this year because this is a new year for us, but it's something that God wants to do, unlock potential, callings, purpose, gifting upon people, upon churches, churches to impact cities, to impact nations. Every time I hear of a church, uh, planted in a new city or in a new nation, I say, that's God. Because we're going to see an increase of church planting, I believe, in the years ahead. God is going to establish His purposes in the nations of the world, and it's going to come through the church. Amen. So while we're living in exciting but challenging times, it's important for us to keep our eyes on what God is saying to us. And, you know, in Elijah's prophecy, uh, it speaks about him in Luke one seventeen. I think that uh, scripture could be with you. Uh, it says, concerning the times of Elijah, it says this, He will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I, I want to just really, you know, speak a little bit about this. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That's you and I. God is preparing us to be a people that are unlike other people because we have the Spirit of the Lord living in us. You see, it's preparing us for the second coming of Jesus. Elijah and John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah, and they came and they prepared the way. John the Baptist did. He prepared the way of the Lord for the, the coming of Christ. But today, a different generation, we are entering the end times. And when Jesus said, Elijah will come again, he wasn't speaking about the physical Elijah. He was speaking about a spiritual uh, spirituality that was going to come upon the church in these end times. And many will be raised up in that spiritual authority to move in the things of God again, to prepare the people, to prepare the church for what God is saying and doing at this time. And the reason I'm saying that to you here at Faith Point is because I really believe God has brought a maturity in you and upon you that He wants to accelerate through you in the years ahead and to raise up others that are going to have the DNA of what God has got for you as a people. When I say DNA, I mean the divine nature attribute of God which is unique to your house. And that's what you carry here. And it's something I see every time I come. And you know, when the Lord says, you know, he's turning the hearts of the fathers. I want to just say to fathers and mothers today, the greatest move of God is going to come through the mature believers in Christ. That are fathers that are carrying a fathering heart to release the blessing, the security, the opportunity in God. You see, fathers speak to potential. Fathers raise up sons and daughters and they move in the things of God. You know, when the Scripture says that these are the days that God will pour out His Spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. But you see, part of what I think we've missed in the church is they don't, many don't know that they're sons and daughters. 
And sometimes the prophetic comes out of, orphan, out of an orphan spirit. It should come out of sons and daughters. And sons and daughters that grow up in the house, that have a father to relate to, because then the heart of the father of love is released. And when the heart of the father is released, there's something about blessing that follows that heart. It releases love, but it brings in a security that you're safe in the house. And often I believe that we don't hear enough prophetic utterance in the church because often people don't feel safe. And when they feel safe, because they're in a house where there's love and security, they will prophesy. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. You'll see the word. And we've got to respond to that word because it's coming more and more in, in what God is doing. So, you know, we're going to see an increase of what Jesus said, you know, about that... Uh, what he said to the disciples in Matthew 17, Jesus said to them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first, and he will restore all things. But I say to you, Elijah has come already. And they did not know, but, but did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking about John the Baptist. See, but Jesus was saying that... John the Baptist moved in the spirit of Elijah and he called a nation back to the heart of God. You know, I believe our message today is to call people back to the heart of God. In our schools, in our universities, in our cities, in our nation, there's a cry in the heart of God for people to return to him. So, you know, Jesus made that pretty clear that, you know, Malachi's prophecy was about the spirit of Elijah, the turning of the people to God, a preparing of a people that were not a people to become a people of God. And that's a powerful thing. So God is turning us to make us ready for what's coming and what he's doing at this time. So the season of discipleship and the, that will have a spiritual you know, inheritance where they are equipped with, um, you know, leadership and a sense of responsibility. I'm here for a reason. I'm not here just to come on a Sunday morning to church, as good as that is, but I'm here to do what God has called me to do. And I'm going to move in a greater authority this year, a greater purpose in my life because God has put his spirit upon me and I'm being made ready. You see, when John the Baptist preached, he aroused the people from apathy and he turned the people back to the true God. Why? Because there were idols in the land and idolatry had filled the nation and he turned them back to the heart of God. The same, the same cry from Elijah when you know, Elijah, when he was, you know, very obscure, you didn't hear a lot about him until he suddenly appears on the scene in 1 Kings 18, and, and God starts working with him, and God gives him his first assignment, go and tell the king, you know, that... Um, there's some things that need to change, that there's going to be no rain for three and, well, the, you know, the Bible, funny, funny enough, in the Old Testament doesn't say three and a half years. It's only in the New Testament when Jesus speaks that he said there was no rain for three and a half years. So he makes that proclamation that the nation is going into a time of drought. No rain is coming. And the reason why was because 
the Israelites had been led into deception. They were worshipping Baal and Baal, Baalism and, you know, Baal. The, each, each area in wherever that spirit was working, uh, Babylonian spirit that was in the nation, there was a Baal, you know, sacrifice or idol that was put up in different areas and they gave it a name. And because Jesus comes along and he also speaks to the nation about idolatry, Elisha was given that word that, you know, the nation had to turn away from Baal worship because the Baals that they were worshipping, the people believed they were, um, they brought rain, these idols, and they were also uh, idols that, you know, released um, prosperity on the land and fertility, the fertility God. So the people worshipped these idols, and which Ahab allowed to happen because his wife Jezebel had, had you know, put pressure on him, and he was under this pressure and under the yoke to allow this worship to come into the nation. And it says in Scripture that of the f seven kings that were before Ahab, that were all evil kings in Israel, Ahab was the worst king, and he released the worst evil in the nation, and God was very unhappy with the way this king had opened the nation to deception. It's something we see today, that you know we have seen deception come into our society, and we as the church have to stand up for righteousness, come against idol worship, and say, there is a true God who we need to serve. And there is a true God that we will follow. And so the important thing that I want you to see here is that Elisha challenged the, the false gods of his time. And because the people went to the false god, put fed the, the, you know, in the idol worship, they would give, you know, burn sacrifices. They would um, even bring children before the, and sacrifice children on the altar in those days. They would have incense. They would sacrifice um, children. And, you know, the people would, would really bow down to these idols in total worship. And if you look throughout Scripture, one of the things that God hates he absolutely, you know, comes against that as idol worship, worshipping false gods. So he was very adamant that Israel needed to come into a place of repentance, and he would show them how to do it by, you know, bringing a drought for three and a half years into the nation. And, you know, so I want you to see something that as we enter the end times, the church is in a place where we have to point people back to a loving God. Because... The day of judgment and the day of the wrath of the Lord in the end times will come. But we've got to be prepared not only as a church but as a nation. Because God will judge nations and God judges nations whenever there's immorality that has gone off the scale. And the reason that happens is if you look at the, the history of, of Israel, when they, they were idols that were worshipped and they had human sacrifices for these altars for these altars and for these idols. This stirred God up. So God would send a prophet in and he would say to the nation, Turn back to me. You know, turn back from your idol worship and come and follow me. And so what I'm really saying to us is that if we look at the world today, evil is becoming even more evil than it's ever been. And we are under the you know 
the church is under pressure to bring the word of the Lord to bring people back to the knowledge of God. I, I got a, a bit of a TV clip sent to me from a friend in that I, I'm aware of. I don't know him personally, but I know him through a friend. And he sent this through. It's called The Last Transformation, and it's in Europe where there's been a lot of healing taking place in the streets and in different places. And they take teams out and they minister in the streets in Denmark, in Germany, Switzerland, all those uh, northern uh, European countries. And they've been seeing revival on the streets. But what happened was in one of his recent meetings, some reporters came in and they took clips of uh, what was going on in the meeting. And the next morning when he woke up, he was all over the news. These reporters had taken little, you know, snippets of the meeting without any explanation and taking them all totally out of context. And all of a sudden, the, the leaders... And the politicians were saying, we've got to stop this sort of thing, this healing and this deliverance and this stuff that's taking place. This man is saying that it's, it's you know, the healing of God is even greater than medicine. How dare you say that? Science is more advanced than God, you know. And you can hear the way he's now been persecuted for his faith. And what they're saying to him is, if this continues, you're going to end up in jail. You see, so what I'm saying is the, the first signs of persecution in the Western world is starting to appear in nations that are standing up for the Lord. And where there's going to be pressure on us not to minister the healing power of Jesus. So we've got to be prepared for this. This is why I believe God is releasing us with a greater zeal in the Lord. You know, uh, Elisha said, I have been very zealous for the Lord our God, for the God of, of heaven and earth. And I believe there's a zealousness that has got to come in us that God wants us to move in in a very powerful way. And, you know, to understand that the word of the Lord coming forth from us has got to be the uncompromising word. We've got to live according to the uncompromising word. That's what John the Baptist spoke about. That's what Elijah spoke about. That, you know, pressure that is on us to live a mediocre life is before us. So as a people of God, we're going to have to understand that the commandments of God are still yes and amen to us because that's who we are. We can't compromise any longer the word of the Lord because the world pressure has come upon us. The period we are in, the New Testament period, does speak about grace, mercy, and forgiveness. And I'm all for that. But the Lord also says that we need to come into that place of repentance when we have moved away from the purposes of God. And if we don't repent... You know, sometimes I, I look at us, and I believe even as a nation, we need to sometimes repent for the things we have done. Because if we don't, the judgment of God is going to come, and we are going to see it in all sorts of ways. So the Lord is encouraging us as a people to, you know, to go out, bring the good news to as many as we can, and tell them this, these are the days that the Lord will you know, touch people's lives. That's why some of the... Uh, incredible miracles that are happening of uh, our friend who saw the angel 
the things that are happening in families all over the nation that are years we travel, the miraculous work of God in salvation is increasing at a rapid rate. And you and I are called to be those forerunners because that's what that Elijah spirit is. It's a forerunning spirit and it goes ahead and it gives the good news that Jesus is alive and well. And you and I are called to be forerunners in many respects because God has put his spirit upon us. And I believe that New Zealand is a forerunning nation. It carries a spirit, of, a prophetic spirit upon it, which means the people are prophetic in their call, and God is sending the nation forth to bring the message of Jesus Christ today. You know, and, and it might sound like, yeah, the message of Jesus we know. But let me say to you, we are a small minority that know that message. There are so many that have never heard who Jesus is. And sometimes when I tell them what I do, people can't even get their head around the fact that I serve a God, that I love the Lord, that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. They don't even know who the Holy Spirit is. So, you know, we've got some work to do, and God is raising us up to send us to our families, to our friends, to our neighbors, to make the, the word of the Lord clear. <clears throat> you know, God's counsel sometimes is very, very clear. In Acts 17.30, he says, He commands all men everywhere to repent. And sometimes we don't want to use the word repentance anymore because, you know, people get offended. But please, you know, the gospel is not yet to offend, it's yet to bring salvation. Amen. Uh, you know, we have to bring the unchecked moral decline in our nation to account. If we continue to allow it to slide down the slippery slide that it's in, we are going to see anarchy in our nation. And I'll tell you, I say that, uh, and I want to not, you know, James might not ask me back for another five years, but I want to say to you, <laughs> hear what I'm saying, because all around our young people are being exposed to things that are just devastating. And we have a cry, the heart of the Father, I believe our Heavenly Father, His heart is crying for our generation to bring them back to the knowledge of God. Because, you know, the, the world is just, you know, the, the information that's going out there is destroying lives. I mean, you know, logic and common sense and wisdom has gone out the window. Let's make drugs legal so that people don't have to buy it. What is it going to do to our society? What is it going to do to our young people that have been exposed to stuff that you and I have never really been exposed to? But at a young age, they've been bombarded by the stuff that is, you know, terribly, terribly devastating for their lives. Some of them will never recover from it. Proverbs 29.1 says, He who is often rebuked and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed and without remedy. Proverbs 29.1. Interesting. So God is raising up a remnant. Let me give you some good news. <laughs> a, a people that are hungry for God. And the scripture that I want to use this morning is Ephesians 4, uh, 13 to 16. And it says, until we come to the unity of the faith. That's why there's such a big move on the unity of God today in the church. To the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's where we're going. That 
perfecting of the saints is so that we look like Jesus, we act like Jesus, we speak like Jesus. Um, and then verse 14 says that we are no longer children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning crafted, craftedness of deceitful plotting. That's what the enemy is doing. There's some deceitful plotting taking place and our our children and you and I, we, we are subject to that if we don't stand on the truth of the Word of God. Amen. But speaking the truth in love. So this morning I am speaking the truth in love. May grow up in all things into Him who is the head, Christ. And then verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and knitted together. You see, we are joined and knitted together under the head, Christ Jesus. You see, I've learned that Jesus is a knitter. He knits us together, and He loves us, and we become the, the body of Christ because we are knitted. And the joint, the eye, the ear, the, the, you know, the toes, the, the knees, we all have our part to play. And I say, Lord, thank you that we can do our part. Amen. Every joint supplies according to the effective working by every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. There we are. We're going to edify one another in love because each one will do his part. That's what makes us the family of God. So God is raising us up. Amen. So there will be an outpouring of the Lord, a growing up into the kingdom of God. The spirit and power of Elijah is coming upon us. It's not, you know, those that receive that, and not that they're special in any way. Let me say this to you. The fact is that when God puts that on you and calls you, there's some wilderness experiences that you have to go through. There's some things that you know that you have to pay the cost of that. You see, when John the Baptist went into the desert, you know, for, you know, a number of uh, of years, decades, about two decades for one year of ministry, Jesus was in the desert, and his training was for th for three decades, for three and a half years of ministry. You know that's the ratio that happens when you and I are prepared by God. Something takes place, and we go into the wilderness, and and we have to learn some amazing things in the Lord. Amen. And it takes time for God to develop these things in us. So I want to say to you, when Zechariah, you know, who was struck dumb by the angel because he didn't believe in what the angel's message was about. But when Zechariah gets his tongue loosened uh, um, to prophesy, he speaks to John the Baptist. Uh, and he says this in Luke 1, in six, uh, I think verse uh, 67 down to about 80. And I want to just say to you, Zechariah started prophesying over his son John the Baptist. And the people were amazed because it said, Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. You see, I see there's a visitation for us coming where God is going to come and he's going to, we're going to encounter one another in a very uh, specific reason. He's going to encounter us for a very specific reason. And he's going to stir us up. It says to perform, the God came to perform the mercies promised to our fathers and to, uh, to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to his father Abraham. You see, God already made an oath and a promise. When God makes an oath, it's an un 
unequivocal promise that He will fulfill it. Amen. It says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare His way. You see, I believe the church is called to go before the face of the Lord today. And not to have a distant relationship. Elijah, John, the, the face-to-face relationship with God was very intimate. That's why it says in Psalm 24, this is the Jacob generation that will seek your face, O God. And I believe we are in that place where our prayer life and our relationship with God is more intimate than it's ever been. So let me encourage you for this year, make a, a, you know, a promise to God that your relationship with Him will be a face-to-face relationship, something very close and dear to the Lord's heart. Amen. In verse 80 it says, So the child grew, this is speaking about John the Baptist, so the child grew and became strong in spirit, that's my prayer for us, and was in the desert till the day of the manifestation to the nation of Israel. So he was in the desert until God manifested his presence upon John the Baptist. So sometimes if you've been through a difficult time, a time of training and a time of testing, let me say to you, it's so that God's glory can be manifested in your life. A beautiful thing. Go after it in God. John the Baptist was in that training, and it took him two decades, 20 years. You know, this year, uh, 2019, is 31 years since Linda and I became born again in a spiritual uh, church. And when I look back, every decade, God has done something different in our ministries and in our lives. And I feel I'm entering 2019 into a different season and time of God's visitation to us. You see, if you look at 19 and you look at 9, 9 in the Hebrew language speaks about visitation. God comes to visit His people. I want to say to you today, are you open to a visitation of God? Would you like to have a visitation from God? See, I believe you know, God responds to our heart. Are we open to the visitation from Almighty God? I believe the Lord is going to give us that opportunity this year. So I, I want to just finish off um, two points. One thing, Elijah was called a troublemaker when he came and he brought the good news to Ahab. Sometimes you'll be called a troublemaker, but let me encourage you. God is with you. Bring the good news. Sometimes I'll reject you because they reject the message. But you just love them and bring the good news of Jesus. Amen? Your assignment in God, write it down. Confront the enemy when he brings fear to you. So I want to just uh, finish off and say that when Elijah had to, uh, you know, deal with the prophets of Baal and he executed 450 of them and then he went up to the mountain to pray and uh, to ask the Lord and there was something I noticed when I wrote that up and it says that he spoke this word when he went to pray on the mountain, he said there's an abundance of rain coming. 
and then he bowed down and he prayed. And, uh, you know, the scriptures talk about three and a half years. And I wondered why in, in the Bible, whenever it gives a number that is very specific, there is a reason for it. And when I look at three and a half years, it speaks about a prophetic timeline for the church um, in the sense of, you know, one year is as a thousand days, a th one day is as a thousand years, and so on. So we, we have entered into this three and a half year period where Daniel says time, times and a half speaks about three and a half. And when you look at the Bible, it speaks about an outpouring coming towards the end of the three and a half, the prophetic timeline of God in the Bible. And I believe that's something that the Lord's saying to the church, that he wants to pour out his spirit upon us. But I see some interesting things in Elijah's style of prayer. Number one, he went up and believed in God. He spoke the word in belief. Secondly, he postured himself on his knees in humility before God. Number three, he, when he called out to God, there was a sense of God, this is you. And I know that there's an abundance coming for us. So I want to say to you, we need to live as a people. When we are praying for our church and you meet in your prayer meetings, there are promises that God's given you as a church, promises that are over your lives. You as a people need to grasp those promises. Some of it could be for a business. Some of it could be for a, you know, an outworking of God's call upon your life and a fulfillment of what God has been promising you for a long time. Remind God in faith. Posture yourself on your knees and believe God for what he's promised you and say, God, thank you. This is your promise. And then right at the end, it speaks about this in James. And there we are, James. This book has been named after you. I'm convinced of it. It speaks about, it says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land. And for three years and six months, and he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So my prayer is, God, produce your fruit in us. Because we've prayed and we believe for an abundance of your outpouring in our lives. Amen. That's our responsibility. Let's get on our knees and do it. And be part of what God is doing. It's a linking and an agreeing in God for these things. Because he has promised us and we have to remind him of his promises for our lives, for our church, for our city, for our nation. Amen.